Uh, welcome to another segment of the Grassy Knoll. This is being recorded on February 19th uh, for play today, Tuesday, February 20th. It is part two with Dave McGowan. The website is www.davesweb.cnchost.com. He is the author of three books, and I'm going to get it right this time, Program to Kill, Understanding the F-Word and Derailing Democracy. Now, we talked about program to kill Dave. Uh, welcome back for uh, for a second round. Can you give us a little bit of a thumbnail on what both uh, understanding the F word and derailing democracy is about? Okay, uh, yeah, derailing democracy, which was written in uh, like the late 90s, like uh, 1998, 99, I think published in 2000, was meant, uh, it was actually meant kind of as a warning uh, to the American people, kind of as a, a wake-up call, slap in the face, as you were, as it were, um, and it was just, uh, I wasn't so much the writer, I guess, of that as the editor. It actually grew out of a web uh, website that I put together, my first political website when I first got on the internet back in my, beginning in like 96, 97. And I began collecting all of these sort of quotes and facts and statistics that directly contradicted the notion that, uh, you know, America is this great democracy that we all believe it to be. And I had a sense at that time that we were sailing into some very dark waters, you know, that, uh, that this ship of state was, was seriously off course. And that was kind of issued as my warning uh to the country to wake up before it's too late, and uh, unfortunately it didn't, <laughs> it didn't work out too well. <laughs> nice try. <laughs> uh, the material in that book is kind of dated, but the value that it has, I believe, is that it documents pre-911, a couple of years prior to 911, that all of the stuff that we're seeing now, you know, the sort of the rise of the surveillance state and, uh, you know, the, the uh, attacks on uh, privacy rights and, and uh, civil protections and all, all of these kind of things that we see going on right now that are, that we're being, that are being sold to us as responses to 911, they were all very much in the works well before 911. I mean, this stuff was all on the table. It was all ready to go. The legislation was drafted. Every, everything was ready. They just needed something to be able to sell it. You know, they could not have sold it to the Americans, the necessity of it at that time. But it was all in the works. So for me, the value of that book is, uh, while it is very dated, is that it, it pretty well documents that a lot of this stuff was, uh, was out there pre-911, just kind of waiting in the wings. So that's what that book is about. Uh, the second one, Understanding the F-Word, is sort of a survey of the last 100 years of uh, American history, sort of an alternative survey of the uh, American century, so to speak, going up beginning like uh, around the, the uh, war in the uh, Philippines. What the heck was that called? But anyway, continuing on through, and it gives uh, biographies of, of all the presidents of the uh, the 20th century presidents and all of the things that were going on. And it's just it's uh, it's kind of similar to Program to Kill in that it's a book that's all about sort of pattern recognition and connecting the dots and uh, recognizing that. Uh, that a lot of things that maybe don't appear to be connected are in fact connected and that uh, things don't generally just happen by accident or by chance. It's, 
reason that that, that things happen, and you know, it's a book. It basically sort of tries to uh, just just sketch together an alternative history, I guess, of the 20th century, um, based on uh, a variety of sources. And uh, it's a book that the, the title of actually understanding the F word is not the F word that, that many people may think. The F word that, uh, that it refers to is fascism. And the title at the time was uh, kind of a joke on the fact that that was really a uh, forbidden word uh, in those days, just, you know, whatever, eight short years ago, that uh, anybody, you know, wielding the word fascism or fascist was, you know, dubbed an extremist and whatnot. And that was just a really word that you weren't supposed to say. And it's funny because uh, it's since 911, it's, it's, it's you you see it and hear it on the internet anyway on a pretty regular basis now. You know, I mean, there's, there's mm-hmm. not too many people out there that are afraid to throw that term around in regards to the the the, the direction that this uh, country's moving. But when I wrote the book and, and you know tried to signal that that's the direction that we were that we were heading, it was uh, kind of a forbidden word. So that's the second book, and then the third book, of course, is uh, we discussed yesterday. Well, when I look at the uh, the cover photo of understanding the F word, um, <laughs> well, I grew up in the New York metropolitan area, and when that happened, uh, that was on the on the cover of the uh, of the Daily News, and I mean, it was a big photo, yeah. and I'm like looking at it, going, you know, well, you know, he's a New Yorker, <laughs> good old Nelly, you know. Idiot. Yeah, the picture is, yeah, of course, is uh, <laughs> Rockefeller flipping the bird. And the implication on the cover of the book is that basically he's uh, flipping it to the American people, you know, which is sort of, you know, another play on words uh. as far as the F word title. Uh, yeah, I thought it was, just, I thought I just, uh, it just seemed to be the perfect image to you. Yep. <laughs> yes. Uh, both, both to you know, there's a play on words on the F word, and as uh, sort of what the tone of the book is, which is that the elites of the world have been flipping us the bird for a very long time. <laughs> uh, that would be right. That would be right. Uh, <clears throat> what we uh, want to go into today, and I'm going to ask you a loaded question, and if you don't answer the way I want you to, we're still going to go the same way anyway. <laughs> uh, Okay, but really, out of the uh, the three venues on 9/11, would you consider uh, 93 the biggest mystery of the three? I would probably have to say yes. I mean, I didn't uh, up until fairly recently. Like most 911 researchers, I didn't really pay it that much mind. You know, I mean, I knew enough about it to know that it was very likely shot down and not, you know, crashed due to a struggle on the plane, but, uh, you know, I spent the first, you know, five years post-911 focusing on the, you know, the towers and the Pentagon, as uh, most other people did, but the more that I've looked into 93, the more I wonder if, uh, if, yeah, if that isn't the biggest mystery of all, and if there's not some answers in there um, as far as you know what what happened overall that day. There might be, I think there very very well may be some uh, some answers hidden in there in the, in the forgotten facts, so to speak, of Flight 93, the overlooked flight. <laughs> well, uh, is that the answer you're looking for? <laughs> oh, thank you. Yes, it was. Thank you. Thank you. Good job. <laughs> 
but what I'm going to ask you is this. Uh, do you feel uh, deeply backgrounded enough that you might be able to give us your account or, or what you found with this plane supposedly on the ground in Logan? Oh, that no, was in Newark, in fact. I'm sorry, it was in Newark. Uh, and whether or not there was a touchdown in Cleveland. In other words, some of the stuff that comes out with, with, with what kind of flight it was leaving the gate at Newark and, and uh, uh, whether or not it touched down in Cleveland it might hold some key to what's going on. Some people have said there was a duplicate flight, <coughs> excuse me, in 91. Can you speak to that at all, Dave? Yeah, you know, there's a lot of yeah, there's a lot of stuff swirling around out there. Uh, I personally don't believe that the, that uh, the Cleveland Airport mystery, uh, which is I think what it what it was originally titled uh, when it was posted way back when, and then later picked up upon by um, the uh, loose change guys who really kind of popularized it. I, I don't think that that that, that has much to offer at all for us as far as understanding what happened. I, I think that was just much ado about nothing. Uh, I don't believe that 93 set down in Cleveland, um, but I do definitely believe that it was absolutely shot down. And uh, however, I also believe that, that uh, at least part of the official story is true in that uh, there was very likely a passenger revolt, whether successful or not, it's hard to say. Uh, and I think that that's one of the primary reasons why it was shot down is because they couldn't afford to leave uh, any living witnesses, so to speak, and they had to, uh, you know, once there was an indication that it, there was a possibility that control of the plane could be regained and that it could conceivably be be set down safely because there was another pilot on on uh, on board that plane a guy with like i don't know 30 40 years of flight experience uh, flying various aircraft that very likely could have set it down if not on his own then then with help from uh, you know the ground uh, ground controllers it's very likely that, that it could have been landed safely if it had been successfully recommandeered, so to speak. So I believe that that uh, the two things are not mutually exclusive, that it's quite possible that there was a revolt on the plane that threatened, that, that uh, set up the possibility that control could be regained of the plane, and that's exactly why, or certainly one of the reasons why it was shot down. <clears throat> okay, um... All right, now, now I don't agree with you, and that's okay. But that's why I just want to. Well, a lot of people don't agree with me. That's okay. Well, no, I, I just want. Well, what I want to do is 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 post to you uh, some things that I've come across that are in the record, uh -huh. and ask you know how you feel about that or or, or what. I mean, uh, uh, there's a lot of items, but what what is the thing? Uh, what is the uh, I don't want to say evidence because nobody really has evidence. What is it that you hang uh, your belief that there was a shoot down on? My um, belief that there was a shoot down is based on. Well, I mean, uh, I, there definitely wasn't a crash. I'll say that uh, there, there was certainly no crash because, you know, there was no. 
No visible plane wreckage at the alleged crash site, as, as was documented by, you know, all of the eyewitnesses who were there on the scene and some, uh, even some, some news camera footage that was shot. I mean, there's absolutely no trace of anything resembling an airplane part, you know, and yet this this plane basically crashed in an empty field where, you know, <laughs> you can't really hide, a, you know, a hundred and some some odd long foot long plane, uh, yeah. and yet there was there was no no wreckage whatsoever. Also, when the site was excavated, there was no jet fuel found in the in the soil or groundwater, which is absolutely impossible. I mean, this was a plane that was heavily laden with jet fuel for a cross country flight, which it flew only a portion of. Uh, and I mean, and uh, you know, all all of the witness say, I mean, there's there's virtually nothing that supports the notion that it crashed whatsoever. Um, I believe it was shot down both because of you know the, the the lack of evidence of a crash, coupled with numerous reports of a military type aircraft that was tailing it, a white jet. You know, there was numerous reports of that. There were reports of. Uh, of uh, smoke coming from the plane, there were reports of uh, pre-crash explosions. I mean, there, there's there's a whole host of, of factors if you look at you know the statements of the people that were there and whatnot that that uh, much more strongly support the notion of a shootdown than they do the notion of a crash. Now, of course, there's also the question. A lot of people have said that there was no plane at all. Uh, which would rule out either a crash or a, uh, a, a shoot down. Um, so I mean, that's a, that's a, is that is that uh, is that what your your position? What where where, uh, where are you at on that? I'm not telling. <laughs> okay, that's all right. No, I mean, what, what this is what we're doing here, obviously, and, and I'll get into the nuts and bolts with it. It's not necessarily trying to sway anything, but to present to you what I look at and and just talk it out. I mean, uh-huh. people are going to decide what they're going to decide, and if and there's things that you know you can make you stand corrected with, that's okay. I mean, that's it's uh, this is not an ambush. This is just us talking. Uh, but but uh, but let me ask you this, because uh, we've not spoken about uh, 9/11 whatsoever. Uh, is it your feeling there were swap outs with 11, 175, and 77, Well, at least 11 and 175, which hit the towers? Swapping of the planes. Uh, we look at a remote going uh, into the buildings. I, I, no, I don't believe that they were swapping of the planes. No. Uh-uh. Do you think they were passenger laden? Yeah, I do. Okay. <laughs> well, I, I'll tell you why. And here's I mean, a, my, a lot of my opinions on 911 are, are pretty seriously at odds with the uh, probably the majority of the, the 911 skeptics skeptics community and. Uh, but they always have been, so okay. that doesn't really, you know, I mean, I was a very early advocate of the notion that the towers were brought down in controlled demolitions. I mean, I, I proposed that from day one. That was uh, in my very first post on 911, which was posted on 912. Uh, I proposed that, and I think I was the very first person, actually, that proposed that, and it was a very unpopular notion for a very long time, and it was attacked quite vigorously by a lot of... Uh, a lot of, uh, <laughs> you know, sections of the 911 skeptics community, but now it's pretty much accepted as a, as a central plank in the skeptics case. And, uh, you know, there were other issues like that as well. So it doesn't really bother me no. that I'm on the outs with, uh, you know, with various 
forces of the 911 skeptics community, but... Try to find somebody who's not on the outs with the 9-11 community. <laughs> yeah. I mean... It, There's it, a lot of infighting, I know. Oh, I, I don't know how much of that is provoked by, you know, agents, uh, so to speak, who, you know, stirring up trouble and... I, mean, I think there's there's a lot of nonsense, a lot of misinformation in in uh, the 911 skeptics literature, and I think that's precisely because there is such a strong case to be made that this was not what we were told it was. That it absolutely had to be uh, a job that with with uh, high level sponsorship within the United States. And I think the case for that is, the, the, the fact that the case for that is so clear-cut is the reason that there's so much disinformation out there. You know, I mean, they can't, they can't uh, discredit the basic facts of the case directly, so they just sort of throw out all this nonsense into the mix that can be discredited, and by discrediting, you know, all of these frivolous elements, then, you know, then by uh, association, it discredits the, the, the you know, the legitimate facts. I mean, that's that's how I've kind okay. of always looked at it. You know, you did uh, the book, as you've told us, uh, understanding the F word, and I guess you've gone back and, and as you said, looked through uh, presidential brains and such. Uh, would you consider uh, 9-11 to be an event like Pearl Harbor, to be an event like the Lusitania, to be an event like the Maine, where the government does not mind, and I, that's in quotes, okay, uh, sacrificing a certain portion of its citizenry to get everybody behind a certain uh, conflagration. How do you feel about that? Yeah, I, I think that's absolutely true. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I think that we have a very long history of, uh, of uh, either staging or at times just flat out making up. I mean, there's considerable evidence that like the Gulf of Tonkin incident never even happened, you know, so right, yeah, right. But, yeah but, you know but, but like you say, yeah, I mean, if you look back at, at every war, you know, I mean you know, you get the Lusitania the, you know, like you, the, the list that you just ran through, um, yeah I think we, we have a very, very long history of either just making up or staging uh, events without regard to what loss of life will be involved if it advances the agenda that the powers that be want to advance. You know, you said something uh, yesterday with us, and uh, you made me think of it when you were talking about uh, democracy derailed, and it's a little dated. But you know what we have to remember, and I'm sure you do too, but what I look at is that that's, that's in the record for good. Even if it seems dated, but it suddenly becomes historical and foreshadowing if people 10 to 20 years from now or longer turn back and say, look at what this guy was saying. And the reason I bring this up is, and the listeners to the show, David, I, you know, have heard me talk about it, but one of the things I found really compelling about uh, World War II was a book that was written by uh, a rear admiral by the name of Theobald called The Final Secret of Pearl Harbor. He wrote it in '54. And Devin Adair had the balls, excuse me, to publish it. And he was not a happy camper. <laughs> and he realized that FDR and the cabinet knew. And my, you know, one of the telling uh, statements he makes about it, he said that they, meaning FDR, Stimson, and the rest of the cabinet, appreciated there would be a substantial loss of life at Pearl. And I think when you hear the word appreciated, the hairs in the back of your neck might go up too in the sense of well that's great guys 
that you appreciated that, you know? Because there's like 2,300 people who are not going home to their loved ones. And those people's lives will never be the same. So it's a really great thing that you appreciate it. So the reason I say this is because with what you've done too, let it be dated. Let it be there on the record. You know, uh, Theobald wrote that nine years after. And I think we talked about, you know, are we getting further away from the event and will nobody ever really come out? My hope, Dave, is that, you know, around that nine or ten year period, maybe when somebody's close to the end of their lives, you know, going, they'll finally turn around and say, hey, this is the deal. You think we do have, uh, I don't think that time necessarily is against us looking at at least some people finally coming back out and saying, okay, here's what happened. Yeah, I, uh, it's quite possible. I, mean, I just read an article uh, the other day in uh, a UK newspaper. I don't know if it was the Guardian or the Mirror or something that that uh, went fairly explicitly, actually, into the 911 skeptics case, and uh, you know seemed to be fairly sympathetic. You know, it wasn't a uh, it wasn't a, an article which you know most. When when the 911 skeptics movement does creep into the mainstream media, it's 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 always to, to trash, you know, and ridicule. But this uh, this article seemed to be fairly sympathetic. So I mean, I, you know, you never know that it, it, it could it could come a day when when this you know when when this stuff is just the the, the evidence just becomes so overwhelming that uh, you know that they, they can't keep it under wraps anymore. But I don't know. I don't know. I know. I know. We're going to get to that point or not? We'll see. But I mean, yeah, I, I think there's, there's a whole. I mean, I, I think a lot of events, a lot of high-profile events, are basically staged, and uh, you know, to to advance. I think Littleton was a staged event. You know, I think the uh, the Columbia? city bombing was a. Staged oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? I think yeah. I mean, a lot of these things that that sort of uh, provide a, a kind of a turning point. So to speak, um, you know, the Oklahoma City bombing thing ushered in the first big, uh, you know, uh, anti-terrorism bill or whatever that set the stage for the Patriot Act. You know, and, and uh, you know, all, all, all of these, all of these events, they happen for a reason. And if you look, if you look, you know, beneath the surface a little bit, there's, there's generally pretty solid evidence that they were staged. <laughs> yeah. Specifically for that reason, you know, it's it's uh, you know they 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 provide the they provide the problem, so to speak, only so that they can then provide the solution, you know, and which which is already prescripted, you know, like the Patriot Act and the invasions of Afghanistan and Iraq, that was all prescripted before nine one one. They just needed that triggering event, you know. Which just conveniently enough happened to come along right at the right time, right? So you, you can't make this stuff up. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, now, all right, with the case of the Pentagon, uh, is your take that a 757 really hit it? No, I do not okay. believe that a 757 hit it. Uh, no, I don't. Okay. I think the case is pretty strong, actually, that uh, it did not. That, of course, is another you know highly contentious issue has been for... A number of years now, you know, there's any number of 911 skeptics that have, you know, consistently said that that's just a, a red, that that is one of the little bits of nonsense, you know, the, 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 what I was talking about earlier, you know, the disinformation. So, you know, it depends on who you talk to. You know, everybody seems to realize that there is disinformation out there mixed, you know, in the mix. 
but it just depends on uh, your perspective. What you see is the disinformation, and what you see is the legitimate evidence, I guess. And that's you know that's kind of the problem. And that, and that's I mean that's the goal. It, it just creates so much confusion that people don't know what's you know what's good evidence and what's not. So uh, we're uh, we're talking with Dave McGowan. The website again is www.davesweb.cnchost.com. You can hit that from my website, obviously, <coughs> with both the uh, upcoming shows and when his uh, audio uh, is archived in that section. And you can hit it through there, whatever. But uh, also, I'll tell you what, uh, I think you've done a meritorious job, honestly, and I, I hope you keep it going. Uh, whether we agree or we don't, it doesn't matter. I mean, your heart's in the right place, and who's saying you're wrong, you know, time will tell. Whoever, you know, if we ever get to the bottom of this, but I want to do say this. You've got something going on that website that uh, I hope you're still, uh, and it looks like you still are following, and that is you have a section called uh, September 11, 2001 Revisited, the series. Is that correct? Yeah. You, will you tell us about that? I mean, wh where's that going, and uh, is this some kind of work in progress, not only as you write it, but as you're starting to, uh, I guess, take in information, and if time avails anything, reveals anything, uh, Hopefully, you know you'll integrate that. So, so what's going on with that series? Uh, well, it's yeah, it is a work in progress. It's uh, it started at uh, I don't know on one of the anniversaries of nine one one a couple of years ago, I think. Uh, originally, it was meant to be sort of an anniversary piece, uh, sort of uh, you know presenting the what was it what I felt was at that time the best evidence that had been assembled and uh, it's just kind of grown and uh, branched out in various directions from there. Uh, the main issues that, is, that are covered are, uh, in which I still feel to, to, to this day are, are, are the strongest planks in the case, uh, one of which is the completely inappropriate response or lack of response from virtually everyone in a position of authority on that day, yep. from George Bush himself to his Secret Service contingent that, you know, left him in this unguarded school for a considerable amount of time, you know, uh, the lack of response by NORAD, the Air Force, et cetera, et cetera, uh, just, you know, the appearance of a complete military stand-down by a nation that indisputably has the most high-tech, powerful, well-equipped military in the world, and yet we're supposedly not even able to protect our own military headquarters <laughs> with uh, well over an hour advance warning, you know. I mean, this, the, the notion that a, that a 757 could just fly into Washington airspace and crash into the Pentagon, you know, long after there were clear indications that there was something seriously wrong that day. I mean, that fact alone is just, you know... It's Unbelievable. Bizarre. Yep. Um, so, uh, so that's one. That's one sort of branch that I follow. The uh, another is the collapse of the towers, which I feel absolutely positive about that they were that they were in fact uh, brought down by controlled demolitions. There's, there's really no way that the crashes and the, the relatively minor fires that resulted could have could have brought those towers down. I mean, it's just. I work in construction, so I know a little bit more about high-rise construction than the average person. But I don't, you know, I don't think you really need any specialized knowledge to, you know, review the 
review the evidence and, and you know, come to the conclusion that uh, three towers were actually imploded yeah. that day. Uh, <laughs> you know, the, the WT, a lot of people still to this day don't even know that there were three building collapses that day, not just two, uh, because nobody ever talks about the third one because it wasn't hit by a plane. Right. They can't really explain it at all, so they just don't talk about it. So that's kind of the second one. Uh, the third one, uh, third one is the Pentagon, the uh, hit on the Pentagon, and if, in fact, it was hit by a 757, uh, like I said before, I mean, just... It's highly improbable, I mean, virtually impossible that, that a 757 could have even penetrated our air defenses to do that, uh, for one thing. And then there's the complete lack of physical evidence that a 757 hit, hit that building. So that's the third one. And the fourth uh, most recent one is this whole uh, sort of Flight 93 thing that I ventured into a few months ago and have not yet had time to finish up on. So uh, that's kind of become... A fourth plank, I, I suppose, the uh, the downing of Flight 93. I mean, I think those four basic things are, are all but indisputable, um, you know, and, and the, the cases has become stronger over the years as more people have gotten involved and, and added little bits and pieces here and there. And uh, so those are kind of those are kind of the four main themes that I have uh, focused on on that series. Okay, <clears throat> and I see you're up to, uh, well, you have uh, uh, posted Act 4, Part 6 coming soon, so. Uh, it's supposed to be coming soon. It's supposed to have already been done. Actually, I, I went on vacation uh, a few weeks ago and dutifully took along my laptop with me that was fully intending to finish it up and uh, never picked a thing up. By, by, by threat of your wife. Because <laughs> I was on vacation for that. <laughs> no, that's right. <laughs> hey, you're pushing it. But I am going to get it finished, and uh, hopefully it'll answer some of the questions because I've gotten a lot of a lot of mail on that series. But you know, uh, not all positive, that's for sure. You know, I mean, there's a lot of it's it's kind of it's it's you know, uh, my theory is in pretty much direct opposition to several other theories. One of which is that there were no planes at all that day. Another is which is that. Uh, there were planes, but they were flown by remote control, and you know some of the stuff that you mentioned earlier. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of uh, competing theories out there, and and uh, you know a lot of people don't really know wh which one is correct. And um, you know, I mean, it's difficult to tell. It really there's uh, there's so much information, so much contradictory information that's been dumped in the well, so to speak, that you could you could build a case for any any of the various scenarios, you know. So. <laughs> Well, that'd be, you know, be, who, who's right and who's, you know, I, it's, uh, well, yeah, I mean, that's, there's, a, there's a lot of que there's a lot of questions there that remain to be answered, and uh, I'm not saying that I could have all the answers for them, that's for sure. Oh, oh excuse me, sorry. <laughs> I dropped my, uh, pen there. Uh, well, one of the best things in, in the way of uh, parody, which you have to appreciate, the Utica's for 9-11 Truth up there have talked about, you know, all these scenarios where they've come to the point where there were never any towers. <laughs> they never existed. <laughs> all right, need I go any further? Yeah, any? I, yeah, I get the, yeah. You get the gist, yeah, but it's like, okay. I mean, there's, it, the, the story has gone through so many different mutations. Yeah. You, know, you know, we've had, uh, we had like the pod plane phase that we went through. I missed that one dearly. 
It was just, you know, this huge thing over everybody was was uh, grasping onto that one for a while, you know, and then it was a win you know, windowless cargo planes and or no planes at all. It was the whole thing was done with holograms. It was just a big special effects show and I mean it's just gone through so many permutations, you know, over the last five and a half years that uh it is pretty much of a confusing man. I mean if somebody was just getting into 911 alternative research, you know, uh, and, and only knew the mainstream story up to now and started dipping into these websites, you know, I have no idea how they could make sense of any of any of it, you know. Well, don't don't leave out the particle beams and space-based weaponry. Oh yeah, yeah, was that yeah, that. Don't you dare do that. Yeah, I forgot about those, of course. Yeah, and now now the, the newest thing uh, from what I've been reading is uh, nuclear explosions that they were actually the towers were actually brought down by nukes. Which I read uh, very recently. I don't remember where. Maybe on the ST911 site or something. I don't know. But uh, yeah, I mean, there's no, there's oh shit, there's no, uh, there's no shortage of alternative theories out there. That's for sure. Tell them you're busy. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, let's let's get to the good stuff. <clears throat> what what is that hole in Shanksville? I believe that that was created by a missile, and I okay. believe that's something that's uh, supposed to be covered in part six if I ever get to it, if I ever finish it. It's actually mostly finished. I just one of my problems is that I'm kind of a, I'm a little bit of a, uh, I'm a little bit compulsively, uh, I don't know what the word is, but I, I tend to like go over my stuff and, and edit it and re-edit it and rewrite it. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah numerous times because I've I've become very conscious of the fact that once you put something out there in print, like you say, it's out there forever. And I go back and read my early posts and my early books now, and they just make me cringe. You know, stuff well, I, I tell you what, um, I, I've been a reporter off and on for <coughs> over 20 years, and I'll tell you something really, uh, and even some magazine stuff, you know what, what you said is a really honest uh Appraisal of what one goes through, but not many will uh, admit that. And some, perhaps, maybe are just so, uh, uh, I, I guess, uh, talented that they don't have to go through that. But I agree with you. You know, there comes a time. You know, we used to say when uh, when I was working construction myself. In fact, we were using drive it, you know, which people would understand. You know, maybe you understand drive it with the uh, beam board and all that stuff. But there comes a time you can work that stuff which is like a plaster, and then you work it too much, and people say, well, you stop playing with it. Uh, now, that's kind of an arcane uh, analogy, but again, with writing, there comes a time, I think you'll have to admit, where you start, you know, where I, I say to myself, stop playing with it. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm really, I mean, my first book, I just kind of threw out there without much regard at all, and, uh, and then my second book, I spent a considerable, considerable more uh, time with, and then my third book, man, I, I just uh, obsessed over that thing for like years. I just uh, was so reluctant to, to, uh, you know, so so paranoid that there was going to be all, there was, you know, that I had to find every typo. <laughs> Oh, you read it and you don't like it, you know. You anyway, returning to your question, the, the crater in Shanksville, I believe it was created by a missile. And okay. I believe that for one of two reasons, either 
That's where a large portion of the plane came to rest after it was shot down and they needed to obliterate that, or it was just fired into the ground just specifically to create a makeshift, uh, uh, you know, sort of improvised crash, uh, crash site. Well, that, that's what I believe. You would have to admit that the odds of, you know, trailing the debris that falls in the plane and then going ahead and shooting ordnance in there it, that's that's a little bit difficult to pull off we could agree uh, that that was a contrived site would that be correct? oh yeah yeah I, yeah, I think absolutely it was a contrived site yeah and it's been sealed off from the public I, I believe to this day it still is they don't want anybody taking too close a look at that site it was all fenced off. They brought in like 400 state troopers to stand guard over. They actually arrested like seven people in the first couple of weeks for the serious crime of uh, attempting to breach the perimeter to get a to get a look for themselves at what was there. Yeah, I think it absolutely was a contrived site. All right. Now I would ask you, by extension, then, if that's a contrived site, there has to be another site. Would that not necessarily be, if you're going to take the, the time to create? a fake site, would you not also want a controlled site? In other words, a place that you want the plane brought down to? Um, if they knew in advance that it was uh, going to be brought down, I, I tend to, be, to believe that, that, that that was sort of a uh, spontaneously arising situation, that they had kind of lost control of this plane and had to improvise at that point. I mean, one, one of my theories that's kind of woven throughout the 911 Revisited series is that this operation was in a sense botched, which is why there is now such an obvious evidence trail, you know, as far as the uh, responses of the, the Bush team and, and whatnot. I mean, I, I believe that Flight 93 and Flight 77 were supposed to hit targets in Washington either before or simultaneous with the hits on the towers. And because one of them was uh, didn't get off the ground in time and I don't know something else happened to the other one, that didn't happen. And because of that, that created this situation, uh, that created uh, all of this... Uh, Basically, all of the evidence that we have now, I think if the operation had gone the way it was intended, there would have been, for one thing, no appearance of an, an Air Force stand-down because all of this would have happened simultaneously. There wouldn't have been this huge gap between the initial strikes and, and the, uh, the follow-up strikes that raised the question of, well, why after these first strikes wasn't there, you know, fighter planes in the air? And why was Bush still at the school? And why didn't the Secret Service uh, team do what Secret Service teams are supposed to do, et cetera, et cetera? And also uh, the, the, the mystery of what actually hit the Pentagon. I believe it's, that something was substituted for the plane, a missile or, or a plate, you know, uh, explosive put in place or whatever. So I think there was, a, there was like a lot of improv, imp, improv that went on uh, because of the debauching of this, this uh, operation. And that's, that's why we have the evidence that we have now, the stand-down evidence, the, the lack of a plane at, at uh, at the Pentagon and the shooting down of Flight 93, I think all of the, all of those all of those things uh, were the result of this operation basically being botched. Is I mean that's kind of my that's been my working theory now for 
I don't know, those last several years, basically. And uh, I, I think if gone by plan, the only real solid piece of evidence we would have would be the collapse of the towers. And that, I mean, there was really no way to disguise that, you know. <laughs> it's kind of hard to, you know, I mean, there's only one way to, to bring down a building in a controlled demolition, and, uh, you know, that's what they were determined to do, I believe. And there was really no way to, I mean, that was, that was going to be the Achilles heel one way or another, but I think all of this, a lot of this other stuff was the direct result of uh, the operation not going, not going by plan. Right. Probably the only one in the 911 skeptics movement that thinks that, but uh, that's that's kind of my working theory. Well, I tell you what. One of the reasons why um, I don't believe it was a shoot down. One is because if you have a control, if you have a fake site, I think you're going to take the time to try to bring it down somewhere else. And I and I don't believe, you know, that there were hijackers on the plane. But also, I would say this: that um, in the newspaper articles in September 11th. Through the 13th, the eyewitnesses who speak several times, uh, characters like uh, Rob Kimmel and Terry Butler, Rodney Peterson, uh, Paula Pluta, none of them in those accounts, David, uh, and I'm, I'm looking at the, uh, the New York Times renditions of those three days, none of them talk about a plane that has been breached in any way, shape, or form. There is nothing uh, streaming, no smoke streaming from the, uh, the plane whatsoever, the cabin. Uh, and so, you know, the reason why I hang a lot on this, and, uh, you know, you can refute that that's okay, but like, as you well know, the very first broadcast uh, spots that were done on 9-11 uh, tell a different story from what you hear later on. And, of course, you know, the very first reports aren't throttled. They can't be edited. It's an organic event, albeit that perhaps even the mainstream news agencies have no idea is going on. As you well know, you've seen enough stuff, and I mean, you know, all the 9/11 uh, uh, documentaries pretty much uh, show people talking about explosions and such and such. Okay, fine. However, also, well, in print, also, those first accounts weren't throttled. As time goes on, I have seen some very, very provocative stuff uh, talked about uh, with regard to what Flight 93, you know, uh, aeronautically did or didn't do, which is, gets kind of really funky. Uh, but when I look, and this is why I'm basing what I feel on this, and that is nobody talks about aberrant behavior necessarily of the plane, that it descends slowly uh, and steadily. Uh, many of the accounts say that it does try to rise one time to crest the hill and does in fact do that. So the shoot-down thing I have a problem with, because even though we, have heard, we know about the white jet, and there might have been more than one in the area, there might have been two to three, and I agree with you that something shot ordnance into the ground that became the supposed burial place for uh, Flight 93. The shoot-down story is a good one because, uh, and Rummy, you know, supposedly misspoke, but he didn't misspeak, I don't think. That Americans can deal with. But what if it wasn't a shoot-down, and that was perhaps the most controlled event, because that's the one that gives us all those Alamo stories about let's roll, etc., etc., all right, so let me just throw that chunk out to you, and, uh, and you know, and respond to that. No problem. Well, what, um, it's never really made sense to me that that whole event would be scripted. Uh, I mean, because it just—it was sort of downplayed at the time. It was really uh, just sort of 
an important postscript to the main events that had happened in uh, Washington and in New York is that, you know, this plane, uh, I mean, I, I, I don't understand what purpose would have been served by scripting this whole uh, elaborate scenario of, of having this plane, uh, you know, crash land in the middle of nowhere in Pennsylvania, you know, after all these other things uh, had occurred and while the country's attention was really focused elsewhere and not, not didn't really pay that much attention to that whole uh, the series of events in Pennsylvania. Well, so, I mean, for that reason, I mean, there are other reasons as well, but it just, uh, to me, it just, uh, I don't know, it doesn't make a lot of sense why that whole whole thing would have even been included in the script at all, you know? Well, I think you stated it, and I would say, you know, I would use this as the reason why. <clears throat> You're absolutely right. The attention was, was placed on uh, New York, primarily, secondarily, uh, D.C., yeah, and then all of a sudden you can get well, away with exclusively New York, actually. Sure, all of that whole day, all we saw was replays of the, of the towers, and the buildings, and the buildings coming down over and over and over and over for days, weeks, you know. So I would say <coughs> that as you get away from New York City, you see less about the Pentagon, which I think is another uh, smoke and mirrors deal, and then you even have less about '93. But what I find is interesting is the the, the uh, reports, the stories, the movies all come out hard about '93 and the Todd Beamer let's roll, and they went down fighting. Uh, and so, yes, I would say that the one that you want to probably promote the most as uh, you know gung ho would be the one uh, who which uh, the event which had least attention paid to it. Yeah, it is kind of weird that Hollywood, uh, that Hollywood, you know, to the extent that Hollywood has, has uh, you know, covered uh, 911, you know, uh, from its entertainment division, so to speak. Uh, it's been, yeah, I mean, it's been happening like three or four Flight 93 movies or something like that, right? Yes, yeah. The Flight That Fought Back, United 93, Flight 93, you know, various uh, TV documentaries and stuff. I mean, they've, they've actually, yeah, that's been covered, you know, from, from the entertainment department far more than, than I mean, we, we've seen one movie about the towers by good old Oliver Stone, right? Right. You know, not too many years ago was being hailed as uh, one of the conspiracy theorists' best friends, you know, for JFK, and <laughs> comes out with his overtly propaganda, <laughs> <laughs> propaganda move, you know. But, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, you're absolutely right in that, yeah, a lot of attention has been, been paid to that uh, in that regard, uh, to the exclusion of the other events, whereas the news coverage was exactly the opposite. That's kind of, it is kind of odd. Uh, I would agree with you definitely 100% though that, that there's a lot of truth to be found in the early news reports surrounding these events. Uh, prime example of that is Littleton, which we talked a little bit about. And, uh, you know, all the yeah, posts yeah, that I have yeah. on my uh, website concerning Littleton are uh, heavily dependent on those early news reports, which were in startling contrast to the story that later yes. emerged yes. Uh, as the official story of what happened at Littleton. I mean, there was numerous reports that there were far more than two gunmen there. Yep. And, you know, uh, 
it wasn't the, that wasn't the work of two kids, you know. <laughs> two kids didn't go in there all alone and haul in like a hundred bombs and all this stuff. You know, I mean, it's just ridiculous. So yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right. There is a lot of truth to be found in the early reports, and uh, there's definitely a lot of contradictory information out there about this flight. And um, you know, I'm, I'm not sure myself where, where the truth lies. I'm, I'm still working on <laughs> finishing up this series, but. Uh, obviously, we have some disagreements, but we also have some substantial areas of agreement. So, yeah, and, and again, uh, it's not trying to strong arm you or anybody that's listening to believe a certain way. Uh, what I feel strongly about is to look back at the record as close to the event as possible, because, like I said, as you get further away, even like the two years later, you hear all kinds of elaborate. Rococo stories about what took place, and they really start to get strange. Even uh, even the uh, the coroner, what was it, Miller? I mean, has come out with seven different stories. But the thing that struck me very very heavily was that when you get the eyewitnesses uh, from the 11th through the 13th, and none of them say they saw the plane, you know, having an event, uh, streaming anything. And the other thing I think with the shoot down, people have to understand also that if it's going to go for an engine, which it will do with a commercial airliner as opposed to a fighter jet, which those Sammies especially are looking for heat and will go up the giggy, if you will, of a fighter jet and blow it up, can't do that with a commercial airliner, and they can fly for a particular time uh, with that one uh, engine out if the missile hits at the engine area. Yeah. So, in other words, this thing would still continue on and could actually set down at another airport, uh, you know, giving clearance and all that without an event. So yeah, even the shoot-down, yeah. yeah, the shoot-down is not necessarily a controlled event, especially if you have real-life people in there who do not want this plane going down. Uh, you know, yeah, you can definitely fly with, uh, is there the, was it a two-engine jet or a four-engine? It was a two-engine, right? Well, you know, I'm sorry, the 757 is either two or three. Two or three? Yeah, and that's only, and I'm sorry, but I mean, I don't know if it has a tail mounted. It may only have the two. Yeah. Uh, uh, and, uh, yeah, it could, it could lose an engine and still yes. uh, and still fly, absolutely. The, I mean, the bigger ones can lose like three or four engines and still fly to some extent. Well, a, a good friend of mine uh, who was a, a pilot for Continental was always worried about uh, Sammy's from the ground because there was a time when that was being very much promoted. And he said to me a couple of months ago, and I'm not saying to you at all, Dave, that, that he buys into 9-11. I mean, he'll tell me the truth. I don't push him too far, but he'll tell me at least what the probabilities are of the aircraft. In fact, he's not going to fly the 777 series that has come out. And if we can inject a little humor into this, I said, well, what do you think about flying that plane? He goes, well, I just hope it works. <laughs> There's only a few of them, so uh, good luck with that. Now, but he, that enormous Airbus thing. Yeah. The, the Airbus 380 or whatever that holds like Yes. Gallons of fuel, and uh, it was the weirdest thing because they like introduced that not long after 911, and I'm thinking, wow, is that really a good idea to introduce this new plane that can that can kill even more people and create a bigger boom? I don't know. <laughs> but uh, he had told me that he 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 said, he, you know, when I think about it, he said if if that did happen, if they went and shot one, he goes, it would go for an engine, and we could we could deal with that. And we could fly it to a place where we could put it down. And it's already been done, by the way, also. So that's why the shoot-down uh, would still be a wild card as to where it came down. And, you know, again, 
Nobody talks about a real other event. If nothing happened in Shanksville with regard to a 155-foot plane, you know, somehow being absorbed into that hole, where did it go? And, you know, and if you want to hide whatever happened that day, you would want to think, at least I think about it, but bringing it down where you wanted to, and I think you even said this at all, even in fact, if it ever went down. Uh, I mean, I, I don't want to misquote you. I, I thought you also, you know, maybe cast some uh, uh, suspicion on one of the scenarios, whether, like, did this thing really crash? I don't know. Am I wrong about that? Um, it's, I mean, it's, I suppose the possibility exists that it was, uh, that it was landed. Um, I mean, all, all the witness reports that I'm aware of, um, none of them really, none of them uh, validate the official story, which is that this thing basically just nosedived out of the sky. I mean, it just plunged down in, into the ground like a lawn dart, you know. And in fact, the, the reason that they claim that there's no wreckage is because it just basically went straight down and burrowed into the ground, you know. But there's absolutely no support for that no. among the witness statements, like you say, the, the, the witness statements for the most part, had it flying at low altitude and somewhat erratically, but on a more or less uh, horizontal trajectory. Um, almost as if it was coming down and looking around for a place to land. I mean, the possibility exists, I suppose, that, uh, you know, the plane was crippled, but, but still landed by, you know, possibly by the pilot on board. I don't know. You know I, Do you think that's a possibility? Well, here's where it gets better, yeah. I mean, I have to tell you, uh, looking back, I had done a whole bunch of inter, uh, uh, shows with uh, Wink TV over the last, boy, I don't know, three years or so. A couple, you know, quite a few hours we logged, and they went actually out there as well. But we do have one thing that's kind of uh, anomalous, and that is they claim to have the Shanksville crash site. Now, uh, CNN, with the reporter uh, uh, Cavell, uh, was... was uh, and I have a transcript of it if you want me to send it to you if that means anything to you I will but he talked about being really strange that there would be two crash sites because I've never really seen this before he's at the Shanksville site and he goes well there's one six miles from here in New Baltimore and now that gets even more interesting because uh, Week TV uh, confirmed well let's put it this way they had asked law enforcement was there another site that was cordoned off and the law enforcement uh, officer said yes there was so now do we have a real takedown place? We've got a hole in Shanksville, but here's where it gets interesting. What is with the debris and Indian like? So it gets curiouser and curiouser. Yeah, it's, uh, there's, there's definitely, yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, one question just leads to another, to another. Uh, yeah, there's, there's a lot of a lot of questions surrounding that that, that whole thing and. Unfortunately, not nearly enough attention paid to it. Uh, you know, I mean, there's not nearly the the uh, body of research out there on that flight that there is on the, you know, the tower strikes or the uh, even the Pentagon strike. So, um, I don't know. Maybe I guess uh, a lot of researchers just need to have a lot of catching up to do to, to uh, you know, get yeah. them... Uh, get a, a meeting of the mind, so to speak, to try to come to some kind of a, a consensus opinion on what really did happen in Shanksville, because we know for sure that the official story is, is bogus, uh, complete yeah. nonsense, and that the crash site was not, in fact, the site of the crash of a jumbo jet. We know that. I mean, that's, that's 
pretty much indisputable to anybody who's, who's really looked at the evidence. But beyond that, there's a whole lot of open questions, a whole lot of them. And that's all I would ask you to do is you know, consider that. And again, like I said, I don't think when I you know, hit on or look at heavily is necessarily wrong, uh, but I do I feel, and this is only by you know, my uh, you know, uh, deduction that what was least covered might be the most telling of all that took place because it happened without it being obviously under many uh, scrutinizing eyes. And I think, you know, I asked you once before, if 93 might have been the biggest mystery, in conclusion, I would ask you, would you think, and I mean, you know, whatever you, just go for it. Do you think 93, if ever found out, might hold the keys of the whole deal? Uh, I think it very well may, yeah. I believe so. I think, uh, yeah, I've, I've kind of come around to that line of thought fairly recently. Um, and, yeah, I think, uh, I think it very, very, very well may. Well, uh, we've been with Dave McGowan. The website, again, is the Web. .cnchost.com How painful is it for you to listen to me without being able to breathe from my nose? <laughs> <laughs> doesn't bother me. My sinuses are oh, all that well either. I oh. At that time of year, I think. <clears throat> Again, uh, check that website out and also check it out uh, for what he's written with regard to uh, what he would call, I guess, the four-act play. Uh, he, you uh, Listen, you've done a great amount of research that's got to be taken into consideration no matter what. Uh, I, I, I truly believe, as you well know now from you know, spending this hour, that 93 holds the key to the whole deal. And, uh, you know, is, is whatever they can, they, they can make it whatever they want to in a certain extent. And, of course, there are the heart-wrenching stories most connected to it. But uh, be that as it may, I won't beat it into the ground. Uh, listen, I want to thank you. Uh, for being with us, and we have a little bit of time left. Uh, do you uh, want to have a parting shot? Um, <laughs> nothing that really immediately comes to mind. I'll take that uh, as a no. Thanks for having me on, <laughs> and uh, you know, um, uh, yeah, not, 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 not anything in particular. <laughs> All right, I, it's okay. I mean, I, I hope you come on again. I'm sorry it's taking so long. And uh, I hope you're happy that you came this way. Uh, oh, absolutely. Yeah, I would uh, I would come on again anytime. Yeah. All right. Uh, if you just stay there for a second, folks, again, uh, we've been with Dave McGowan uh, tomorrow.